Hello, everyone, and welcome back to MF Uncensored. Don't forget, if you guys listen to us on the go, you could find us on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, basically anywhere you get your podcasts. You can also find more of our content on our website, themisfitfaction.com. There you find links to not only this show, but some of our other shows like the Multiverse Fancast and Cinematic Adventures. As always, I'm one of your hosts, Paul, with me via the Zoom studio is... Probably one of the more interesting people that I've ever just read about, much less, you know, got on the show. And that's Mr. Aza Laveau. Aza, how are you today? Doing well. How are you? Dude, I'm living the dream, man. You know, it's a wonderful Friday. It's a nice, relaxing evening. And I am so excited to talk to you because like I told you in our pre-show, I went onto your website to do my notes and because... I Weird how I like to get to know people before I talk to them. Okay. And I'm reading that. I'm like, man, this guy so cool like just the what he does and i'm gonna give him a chance to talk about it before i continue to gush but like just reading through some of the things that you do and some of your accomplishments like I, i'm just in awe so for our listeners though why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself sure so for those of you who are co-creating this episode with us thank you thank you so much for being here your time is not wasted as i say often you are in the right place at the right time for the right reason yes my name is asa laveau and i am the founder of house of icons and uh another way to look at me is an icon architect and what that all means is i got that because um i listened to a lot of abraham hicks neville goddard um, those type of uh, teachers in the world who believe in all of our divinity, our nature is divine. And so because a lot of times people don't, they feel some type of way or they don't like it when I call them divine or even gods, at least you let me call you an icon. And so that's what I'm here to do on this world, in this world, is to show you and to remind you of how iconic you really are. See, I like that because especially nowadays, it feels like nobody wants to take pride in how special they really are like mm -hmm. and that's part of one of the biggest things about our show we we try and highlight that like hey everybody's got something really cool to offer and it may be something that they offer themselves it could be how they interact with the world and also i'm going to give you five bonus points you are the first guest that i've ever had to thank the audience immediately for <laughs> listening or watching the show that was like i'm sitting here going holy crap nobody's ever said that before I mean, they're they're here, like they're literally here. It's like uh, the never ending story. Like they're reading the story with us. <laughs> now you get extra points because anytime you can work the never ending story into a conversation is just automatic bonus points. Yeah, I love that movie. Both oh, of them. It's such a good movie. Like that's yeah. a staple of childhood right there. So Sebastian is my guy. Yes. <laughs> all right. All right. I'll, I'll never like just the imagery of the kid flying on the. Oh, on yeah. Oh yeah, Falcor. Like if I get a dog again, his name is gonna be Falcor. That see, that's a solid name for a dog. I like it. <laughs> now for our, for our guests though, or for our people that are listening, you mentioned being an icon. Like for you, what is that like? What does that entail? Like if somebody's like, I don't know what that means. How would you have them find their icon? So number one, are you someone that has identified that you know stuff? Like let's just start there. Do you know stuff? Um, because a lot of us do and we we don't give ourselves enough credit we even if we are someone let's say you're someone and you help enroll people into medicare mm -hmm. do you realize that none of us know how to do that <laughs> none of us know how to do that but you do and so you have a level of expertise that you have been able to obtain over a, a lengthy amount of time and i am here to say um hopefully not to argue but if if you want to do that, we can do that to argue that 
because of the expertise you have, you can go from getting paid for what you do to getting paid for what you know. And that is what our business is set up to do to help you get paid for what you know rather than what you do. So it's funny you say that because obviously Asa and I connected on Facebook and one of the one of the draws that he put in in his bio is, you know, getting paid for what you know. And it, it caught my eye because especially nowadays, I work with kids. And one of the things that I always teach kids is you don't have to do what everybody expects you to do. They're like going to going to college is great if that's what you want to do. If you want to go to college and then get your degree, like uh, my my wife's in grad school because she wants to be a librarian. Like that's that's what she wants to do. Like that's awesome, but it's not what you have to do. And I think now I think now is the time to tell people like, hey, you don't need a traditional educational experience to be smart. No, not at all. I mean, let's just say that you're someone listening in today and you have a background in video games. Mm -hmm. You adore video games, everything from Atari to Donkey Kong to whatever. That's your thing. Like, you know, video games better than anyone else. Do you realize that there are video game uh, courses at Ivy League universities and institutions around the world and that there are video game museums and I mean I was listening to NPR this week and they had an entire segment about the viability um, and how it has affected our culture um, as video games has had since the 1970s and 80s so you can think that all you're doing is being a video game enthusiast, but you can actually go around the world and show people how to gamify their organizations or gamify their programs. So it's funny you say that because I did an interview a few weeks ago and gentleman who who did the interview, his name is Andy Turner. Great guy. Like he, he wrote a book about, um, unfortunately, his wife's tragic suicide. And he, you know, now he goes and he's a motivational speaker and he told a story about a kid who was at the end of his rope, like a teenager who's like, I don't know what to live for, but what do you like? And he's like, I like video games. That kid turned around and then made a career out of video games. Like that's wild. And the fact that you bring it up, it, I, I always look for a little signs in the universe. And that is a great sign that yes, this is exactly the interview that I should be doing right now because it's right there. And, and I love that outlook on life that you're bringing, but how did you get there? Like, I'm sure at one point you were like, huh, Maybe I should be doing something different. Okay, so yes. Um, but I've okay, first off, I've always been entrepreneurial. So I was the little boy at nine years old selling candy, not fundraising candy. No, <laughs> I took my mom, like, I need a couple of dollars. She's like, why? To go to the grocery store to sell candy because I'm in children's church all day on Sunday and all those kids want candy and their parents give them money during offering time. So if the kids can get money and they have an appetite, why am I not giving these kids candy? Holy so shit. <laughs> <laughs> savage nine-year-old in existence. Oh, I love it. Like you can, so, we can stop there. And I'm like, that's the best interview I've ever done. So that's how I started. And then, then going to cutting grass, like rolling the mower to the gas station um, with a dollar of my mom because it was the 80s. And so if I had, or the early 90s. And so if I had a dollar, that was enough to put enough gas in the gas tank and in the lawnmower. Mm -hmm. And then I would mow my way back home. And so I was 12 and 13 making $100 a day. 
So I've always been, because I would do $20 for the front and the back, $15 for the front. And so it would, be, it would behoove you to let me do the front and the back. And so I've been doing this for a while. And then I started to do my best to fit my round self into a square society. I was doing my absolute best to the point that I left Oklahoma, uh, went to Southern California, became a warehouse manager on a military base. And I was doing the whole transit, like um, waking real, real early at zero dark 30, just to get on the, the shuttle to take me into base. I was just doing that back and forth, back and forth. And then life got a way of just snatching you by the back of your neck uh, when you least expect it. And I got invited to a, a conference in San Diego by a woman by the name of Lisa Nichols. Um, she was the only, she is the only black woman in the movie and the book, The Secret. Oh. Yeah, her, Lisa Nichols. Right. So yeah. I was invited to her conference. At that time, it was called Speak and Write to Make Millions. And she said that on the second day. She's like, do y'all not understand that people will pay for what you know rather than what you do? And I'm in the back and I am literally having a mental explosion. I'm like, there's no way. Because at this time, I've done the college thing. I'm about 12 years into the military. Uh, I'm an officer at this time, already done deployments. Um, and I'm working day in, day out. And she says that. And I haven't been able to forget that. And even though her, her organization and her business model wasn't based on that, her saying that to me, unlocked what I am doing now and so that was back 2013 and so that's when my business started I am an action taker so everything she told us to do in the conference and at that time we were doing telesummits you would go to freeconferencecall.com and oh, you would wow. call in put your your code in and then you and the other speakers would speak on freeconferencecall.com and then you would take the recording, package them into like a, a Google Drive folder and you would sell it like that. Oh, that's wild. Yeah. So, <laughs> but like I said, I take imperfect action as long as, I, so I have flyers of things that I've done from over 10 years ago. I don't like the, I, like, oh God, he was uh -huh. doing his best, poor baby. <laughs> You know, it's funny, like when I talk about, so I've been podcasting for about nine years and, you know, we took a break about four years in and then we, we revitalized the, the entire network and I still look at some of my old podcasts. I'm like, what the hell were you doing? Our exactly. first, we tried to re-release our first episode and it is just, oh God, it's rough. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like the, yeah. the, so I really do appreciate that, especially as somebody who likes to take action it's funny because for me, it's always action, action, action. My wife is the one that's going, slow down, let's plan it and then do the action. So like we, we balance each other out very well. So that's I, I, nice. Yeah. It's, it's incredibly helpful. And plus she's way better at things like Canva than I am. So yeah, I, got, I had to get really good at Canva. Actually, I had to get really good at all tools. Mm -hmm. That's another thing. When you start out and you don't have money, you don't have team, and Fiverr didn't exist then. So I had to get really good at Canva, had to get really good at MailChimp, had to get really good at uh, Asana and teamwork. And then, um, so at that time, Lisa Nichols had a, uh, a, her mastermind was called GLP, 
global leadership partners or something she sold for like 50 grand a year. And so what I did, cause I'm like, I ain't got a 50 grand. And so <laughs> what I did, I networked with everybody. Cause you know, in, at conferences, once you're in their program, the big program, everybody comes on stage. So I'm taking mental note, like, okay, okay, got it. I go and I network with every single one of them. Love to it. the point that I'm social media friends, to the point that a year later, people think I'm in GOP. Oh, see, I love that. That's And that's another thing. Like, I've been to a couple of conferences. Like, I did, uh, Tony Robbins was the big one that I went to. And it was a great, great, con uh, great concert, conference, excuse me. But, I heard it was a concert, too. <laughs> you know, it can be. Like, that his, he is... For a lot of people, he's like the epitome of public speaking, and he's very good at what he does. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't always agree with him because that's oh, the best thing about like this sort of thing. Like you don't have to agree, but like I still respect him more than anybody. Mm -hmm. And I remember like they did like little parties and little social. It was a weekend long event, and I wish I had known what I know now. Then oh, yeah. because I I I have no problem at like things like this, like going up and talking to people, especially you know you talk about people will pay you for what you know. I love talking about what I know. I have a podcast because I talk about what I know. Yeah. I have and doing it. Cause there's even a guy there as the only man in history that has been able to auction off days with Oprah Winfrey. Really? Like you could do a whole day with her and he was the broker for it. He created this told her about it. She was like, okay, cool. Made it happen. And I was like, this man, Sounds phenomenal. So we had a whole uh, situation where we had to, he was signing our books or taking pictures. And so I said, sir, um, can I have your phone number? Mm -hmm. I would love to have you on my telecom, my telesummit. And he said, okay. Gave me his number. A month later, he was on my flyer, my first flyer ever as a speaker on my telesummit. That's awesome. Like it, And it's just the power of just taking action. Like, I believe what Biggie Small says. I don't fear no man who breathes the same air as me. Like, literally. I just don't. <laughs> I don't fear I anybody. It's, it's that fear, though, that stops so many people from, from making moves and, and just taking action. And, like, for me, my biggest fear at first when I was doing podcasting was, was doing video. I was like, oh. do I want people to see me? Do I want to just, you know, do – especially when I first started, video wasn't a big thing. I was like, I don't need to do that. And then when we brought the the network back and we were like, do we want to do video? I was like, nah. but video changed our entire dynamic. And it was just taking the step and doing it. Especially with YouTube being one of the biggest search platforms out there mm -hmm. behind it's Google and TikTok. Yeah. I, it's so funny because the first video that we, we were always posting on YouTube, but it was kind of like off to the side. Mm -hmm. I spent two months just working on YouTube, just like every day, throwing like three, four hours at it. And I went through every single video that was on there. I did. I redid the thumb. The same thing. I don't have a team. Like I have, I have my co-hosts who are great. They're great at content, but I'm one of those people that's like, I got to do it my way. Otherwise it's not going to get done the right way. I understand that. Sentiment. So sure. I went through every single video we had. I redid the thumbnails. I redid the, the captions, the this and the that. And now two months later, we finally got monetized and our first reel that I put on YouTube got almost 6,000 views. Really? Wild. Like just, it, 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 but again, it's, there was that fear to not do it. And then suddenly it's just like, well, what, what's going to happen if I don't?
But do you still feel as though there was no one else in the world that could redo your thumbnail so that you didn't have to spend dollar time on a penny task? So that is very fair. And that is probably my biggest downfall because I that's the thing. But also for me, for me personally, mm -hmm. I, I love it. I enjoy oh, if you, it. That's different. Yeah. That's different. Oh, I love, I love it. But yes, my, uh, could somebody like my producer wife who's sitting in the corner uh, playing on Canva right now probably have done better? Absolutely. Uh, but I, I, especially, you know, I spend eight hours at my job, some usually more. Mm -hmm. and, and I have this time where it's like, well, what do I want to do? And I'm like, I want to create. I want to build. And it's just something, there's something about creating something yourself that I just I find. Sure. I mean, I look at you, you. That's why it's taken so long for me to get a team that's, um, that stays. Because mm -hmm. I, I have to reconcile getting that surge of satisfaction from looking at the thing that I did for a client versus just being, and I say just because I'm diminishing it for myself, just being the project manager of what my client needs and then outsourcing that to the team. And so I'm just like, okay, so you need a website. And then, you know, looking at it like, mm, okay, well, I didn't do that. Okay, well, sure. <laughs> I'm, so I, I'm, I understand. I'm right there with you, man. So you you start this, you know, you're doing te the, the teleprompting, or not teleprompting, like the teleconference, which mm -hmm. I, I remember I used to do uh, the Beachbody program, you know, like yeah. 90X and all that. And I that just met Shalene Johnson. Really? At a, a private party of my best friend. She has a million dollar business in Houston and her and her husband were there. Oh, that's so cool. I met, yeah. uh, I met Sean T a few years ago. And uh, uh, yep. <laughs> just like the nicest guy I met him. I met his, yes. I met his husband. Like they were just mm -hmm. such great people. And like, I have pictures with him and stuff like that. He, he's uh he's local to us. We're, we're in New York. We're not in the city, but apparently he spends a lot of time in the city. Okay. So, um, but fast forward or rewind. They, when I joined Beachbody as a coach, they did, the teleconferences and you would call in and you'd listen and then you'd get the recording and like it was mm -hmm. really cool so it's funny you're bringing that up i was like wow memory unlocked <laughs> for sure Long so time ago. you start this business and you're, you're getting some traction you're taking action when did you finally like you got your first client and you're like this is it I'm, I'm i'm on the right track that first client i remember that first client i was in the commissary at tinker air force base with my then girlfriend and we were shopping and it, the payment came through. I had pitched, um, it's my first client, of course. It was a group of guys at a University of Oklahoma. They were segmented. So they were basically a conglomerate within themselves. And somebody wanted to do real estate, somebody wanted to do nightlife and all that. And then they wanted to know how to put it all together in a business and not just a group of guys doing things. And I am, I pitched them six months of working with me for only $500. Let me be very clear, never again in life would I ever pitch $500 for six months. Oh, yeah. uh, not never. <laughs> but, but that moment was everything to me. Absolutely. Because it proved it. It proved that someone saw the value that I was just now seeing in myself. That validation, man. Like, I, I yeah. hear you. I remember our first podcast sponsor. That was the coolest thing. Two hundred dollars. Two hundred dollars. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. But to just talk about like our, our good friend Neil, who um he's been on the show a few times. He, he's fantastic. Him and his wife. I remember he was our first sponsor. He's like two hundred dollars, and all you have to do. I reviewed his book for him on on our show and on our mm -hmm. website, and 
the amount of money I was putting towards the podcast, that $200 started to go really quick, but oh, like, yeah. holy, uh, same thing. I was like, holy crap, this is like, it's happening. And now I, I went on Fiverr the other day to, to do some, to get a video editor to start mm-hmm. looking into it. And they're like, all right, so that's uh $700 for three videos. I was like, I'll, I'll keep doing it myself. Thank you very much. So let so on the side, I got somebody on fire who's a lot less that's really good. I'll hook you up to him. I appreciate that. <laughs> I appreciate that. But, so we're not paying $700 for oh, But you know, it, again, it's the demands and it's the value. And that's, it's crazy. Those are the kind of skills that, again, people will pay you for what you know and what you can do. And like, I love supporting people who do things like that. Like, I love going on Fiverr and being like, hey, you want to like do an intro for me or stuff? I love finding mm-hmm. people. Oh, same. It's awesome. Most definitely. So you get your first clients, five hundred dollars mm-hmm. for six months. Uh, like just even saying it now, that's like that's groceries. That's groceries for the week. It is some groceries. I just spent fifteen dollars on a on a bag of potatoes and a bell pepper. <laughs> I can't. Like we go into the grocery store. I'm like, I I lose money going into the grocery store, much less coming out. Right. I get so that. You, you get your first set of clients and I, you know, the idea I love is um, it's a bunch of guys doing different things who want to make it into something together. Um, I also want to mention, I totally forgot. Thank you for your service. You, you mentioned oh, it. I, I always, say. Um, you know, obviously we uh, have a lot of respect for our veterans. We're big supporters. So thank you for your service. Um, but fast forward. So you get your first clients. How did that start? Like, what was your first steps with these new clients? My first step, if I can remember correctly, I think we met at either Starbucks or the Oklahoma City Library. That's the first time we met. Um, and then I made sure I asked them questions. I had, I, yep, I asked a lot of questions and I told them that we needed to meet individually and collectively to make sure everyone's on the same page. And then we just started doing what needed to be done, making sure they were, you know, properly registered with the Secretary of State, making sure that they had not a business plan, but an action plan because they weren't looking for funding. Um, They were looking to take action. So they did need a business plan Um, and just making sure that they understood what was happening every step of the way, because I knew then, as I know now, the way you treat this person, this client, though you want to do good just because it is also the commercial for the next client. Right. So you have to act right. And so um, everything went well with them. I haven't seen or heard from any of them in years. Like I said, that was 2013, 14 when that happened. And I was under a different business name. Like I've gone through five brand names for my, my, my business. And so those of you who are listening, please know <laughs> that whole thing about it has to be perfect. It has to be right. Perfect and right is that's that's questionable and that's relative. You will change and allow yourself to change because House of Icons didn't even exist until last year. That's wild. And like yeah. it's, people get really stuck and they're like, if it doesn't work, then it's a failure. It can no. change. It can evolve. Like things, things always are changing. Yeah, because that logo was a failure. That name was a failure. That price point was a failure. It, there are components of what you're building that are failures. And it's your, you're the person that's over it. You're the visionary. Um, you're the, the one that's actually putting forth the energy and the effort to make this thing a thing. So as the visionary, you go back and you 
be as objective as you possibly can. And it's okay to bring in other people to be more objective. And then you look at the components of it that aren't working well. You, If you're at McDonald's and I worked at McDonald's, I worked at Taco Bell and all other places. If, if the customer, if three customers come in and say, this isn't right, we don't burn down the McDonald's building. We throw out the lettuce that expired. <laughs> that's it it was a component of what you're building that was wrong not the whole thing mm -hmm. I, I always like the idea that you don't change everything for one thing that's going wrong no and so many people like this went wrong we have to reevaluate no we have to reevaluate one thing possibly that's it, that's it. and I, I like that you kind of bring that mentality now for you though you mentioned that house of icons is is relatively new Mm -hmm. um, only about a year old, as, as I think you just mentioned. So how did that come about for you? Okay, so let me go back. Go back, yeah. Okay, so I started off, the, the brand was Genius Academy. I was helping to unlock, no, no, it wasn't. It was Bliss Academy. I wanted to help you find your bliss. And then it went to Genius Academy, helping you activate your genius. And then it went to, I was doing all this stuff for Genius Academy, but I was also... Um, coming to terms with my own sexuality because I wasn't a little boy who was looking at other little boys. I was straight, like straight, straight. That was it. And then I got divorced and then people started talking to me who never talked to me before. And I was like, what is this about? So during that uncovering and unlocking of myself, then I started talking about it more online. And I was met with individuals who were saying, yes, Asa, I want to hire you. And then we, I, they hired me, we worked together, but they would not give me a testimonial. Mm. They, I asked why they said, because I have church people that are connected to you on social media and they would know that I worked with you. I said, well, all right, if that's the case, let me just burn down Genius Academy. <laughs> and I did, I burned it down. And I started a whole new brand called the Queer Money Gang. And so I was only working with queer identified individuals. We, I had the Entrepreneur Podcast show, like it was a whole thing. I stepped into all of it. I just went in. The thing about that though, um, I found a group of people who really did and do love me as far as what I do and how I do it. And because I was operating so authentically, that's the first time I was approached by a large publication to be featured without having to pay, i.e. Forbes. That's how I got into Forbes. Somebody said, we are looking for a Black entrepreneur who is queer identified to be in our pride edition for Forbes. And someone, because of what I was saying, tagged me in it. And that's how I got in Forbes. That's awesome. So I was not a part of the Forbes coaching circle. I did not pay to get in that. For those of you who do, no shade, no judgment. I just didn't have to do it. Um, and so that taught me a lot about authenticity. Well, then I go to file the trademark and I lose the trademark for Crim Money Gang. So now I can't use Crim Money Gang anymore. So I'm like, oh crap, what do I do? So I was like, you know what? Let's just dive into the corporate side of things. Cause I now, by this time I've done work with T-Mobile, uh, Miss Universe pageant, Goodwill, Mercedes-Benz, Volvo. I've had those clients now, so let's just go all corporate. So now it's time for Laveau Executive Solutions. And then that runs its gamut. I'm like, it's still not feeding me the way I want to be fed energetically with, you know, being with the brand. 
And plus, when you have your business name, it is if you talk to someone that knows what they're doing, they will advise you, do your best not to have any part of your name in it because when it's time for the exit strategy and you want to sell it, the value goes away when you go away. Right. So I was like, okay, so this isn't going to work. So then I created a brand called The Wealth Spa. And I say it like that, I articulate like that because that was one of the biggest things when I created the wealth spa. They're like, wait a minute, the well spa? You have <laughs> a spa? Like, no, I don't own a spa. It's the wealth spa. Oh, you're a financial advisor. No, I'm not a financial advisor. And so I was like, this is just not working. I'm spending more time with awareness and education than I am with conversion. Mm -hmm. This is not it. And so I was, I had uh, said yes to a mastermind. So I'm in the mastermind and I'm literally in front of a guy, Jason Flatman. He's known as the $100 million webinar man. He's made wow. over a hundred million dollars just doing webinars. And so he's in front of us. He's now, he's a, a speaking to the, the, ma uh, the mastermind. And something happened. I've been playing with this word icon for a while. And then if you know anything about um, black queer world, it goes back to the days of Madonna, early Madonna, like Vogue Madonna. There is a documentary called Paris is Burning. Paris is, yes, Paris is Burning is pre that song by a decade. And so in Brooklyn and Harlem, in the Bronx, black and brown queer kids were going to these all night affairs having um, battles, basically dance battles, Vogue battles. Um, and it's called the ballroom scene. Well, the ballroom scene, they have houses. So your house would compete. So you had the house of extravaganza, the house of uh, Cosmo, the house of Vuitton, the house of Gucci, uh, to the house of dynasty because this is the 80s and the 80s 70s and 80s and so because of that in black queer world there is still a very real um part of that nightlife that is all about the houses and i love that beyonce just came out with a song um something about the house and so she she even understands the prevalence of that underground world and so I love that world, the voguing and all, even though I'm not a part of it. And so I was thinking about that. And then people were saying that, Asa, because of your name, Laveau, you should start a fashion line, and which I will be doing later, like awesome. years in the future. Yeah. So like, how do I marry? Like, I, I believe that people are gods. I believe that people are divine, but they don't like, they think I'm being all Kanye West when I call yeah. them that. They don't like that. They've never read Neville Goddard. And then here I am loving the Vogue and ballroom scene and understanding what a house is and understanding that sometimes a house isn't a home. But when you come talk to me and you are one of my clients, I make the house a home because I check on you. Like you get boxed almost daily. Like we don't just <laughs> talk about marketing. Like I know that he didn't show up to the date. <laughs> like I know all of it. And so like, how do I merge, reconcile the two? And I was like, and it just hit me house of icons and i literally got up from my chair while he was still talking went to the front there were three four women I'm, and let me say another thing for those of you are listening if you want to make sure that your whatever is good talk to a woman 
Mm-hmm. But a woman is not willing to say, mm, that's good. If she don't do that, it's not good. If she don't do it, <laughs> it's not good. I'm trying to tell you what I know. And so I went to the front because I knew women working at the reception area. And I, I was like, yo, I just came with an idea. This is what it is. And they all went, mm. I was like, I got it. It's the, it's the ultimate seal of approval. Like you could put that yeah. as a testimonial. It would just, it would be the best. Just yeah. three, three M's and a couple of H's. Yeah, that was it. Because uh, I know that I'm in with my client sessions, I'm addicted to the aha moment. And so because I'm addicted to that, I love to get the mm moment from someone else. And so within 48 hours, I had the name, the domain, the website, the landing page, the logos you see behind me. I did all the logos behind me. Um, I had everything done in 48 hours. That's awesome. I mean, for us, we started with one podcast and it was about superhero movies and TV shows because that's what we were sitting around and talking about. Okay. I was like, why don't we just, we can do this, guys. We got this. And yeah, we got this. But it grew and we were like, well, we have this show. We have this show that we're, that we're doing. We have another show that we were working on at the time. And like, how do we, I want it to be something and I want it to be a brand. So we eventually settled on the misfit faction because we were just a bunch of misfits who were just doing what we wanted to do, but we wanted it to sound cool. And, and it does. <laughs> you know, and it's funny. You mentioned like the whole mm-hmm moment I wore my, so I'm, for those of you guys who are listening, I'm wearing my MF uncensored shirt because obviously it stands for misfit faction, <laughs> but it, you know, obviously we, we planned it that way. And I remember we, my wife and I were in Italy with our family and my sister-in-law, saw the shirt and she goes, huh, I really like that shirt. I was like, see that, that it's that mm-hmm moment. And I love it. So yeah, I, I immediately, when I, when we came on and I saw your shirt, I was like, okay. Okay. All right. I dig it. Cause I, with the book titles I've written, I really, so, all right. Well, <laughs> I was, I was gonna, I was gonna talk about something else, but now I got to talk about your book titles because a, we are big supporters of, of books here. My, my wife runs a great Instagram page. Uh, most of you guys know bibliophiles assemble. She's, she kills it. She's the queen of books. We have a live, we bought this house specifically because I wanted a basement that I could record in and, and set up my gym. And she wanted a library. She's got her library. Nice. upstairs. So for our listeners, and yes, you could be completely uncensored. Okay. What are the titles of your books? So the titles of my books, um, I wrote two within the months of each other, and those were or are uh, Why I Won't Hire Black People. The next one was 365 Erotic Reasons Why I Love You. I then wrote I Am Man Enough, and I had seven men uh, share their stories with that one. And then after I Am Man Enough, women kept asking, and I fought it for a year. Then I finally did it. So then I did I Am Woman Enough. And then I came out with a book um, because I had a podcast interview and someone said, hey, Asa, how do you balance it all? And I said, I don't, I said, fuck balance. She was like, wait, what? Because it was a college girl. I was like, oh, I didn't, it's not against you. It's, no, I just don't believe in it. I was like, balance is the idea that I'm supposed to give energy equally to all things at all times. And that sounds like energetic suicide. Mm-hmm. Point blank and period. Or Sometimes when people say it, they say it in a judgmental way, like, you know, I just don't, I just don't think you're very balanced. It's because you think I should be doing something that you think I should be doing and I'm not, or you don't even know that I am doing it. And let's just be clear. I have a son. He'll be 18 in March. I'm not able to give equal parts to him 
to my mother, to someone I swiped right on Tinder. <laughs> like I'm not able to give equal parts to those things. And so I wrote a book called Fuck Balance. And then the last book um, that I wrote was a memoir called Black and Queer. Dude, that's awesome. Like, so I'm not gonna lie. I'm, I, as I mentioned, I went through your website. I was trying to learn a little bit about you because I, my, our show is very unique in the fact that I never want to go in blind. I never want to go in not knowing somebody at all. It, I think it's rude. I think it's disrespectful. You know, you, you mentioned, you know, giving time and, and being appreciative. And I, like, I appreciate everybody who hits yes on that Zoom invite. So I like to go in, but I also like to go in a little bit blind just so I can ask questions because yeah. I hate asking questions that I know the answers to. It's ingenuine and people can right. read that where I know that you wrote this <laughs> book. Please. Like it just for me. But as, as soon as I saw that title, I was like, shit, I got to I gotta ask him about it because it's awesome. And I like that idea. And I, you know, and you're talking about what it means. Balance is one of the most interesting things in the world to me because I do strive to find a certain level of balance, but at the same time, mm -hmm. if I'm putting all this energy into something, especially that I'm passionate about, I, I am I will be the first to admit that burnout is not my friends. We have we have had right. many, many an encounter that happened with our podcasting. Um, there's gonna actually be a YouTube video coming up where I explain what happened with our podcasting because at one point we were flying like super successful, and we're still very successful. I'm very grateful for all the people that have been with us. But the burnout was bad and mm -hmm. it hit hard. So I like, though, that you can't give everything to everywhere. And I think that's what people get confused on. Exactly. And not just that, but the basis, the foundation of that book has nothing to do with balance when it comes to your equilibrium, like your eardrum being impacted doesn't mean that for those Buddhists out there. Namaste. <laughs> it doesn't mean anything with your religion. It literally means. I'm, I'm taking I'm taking issue with what was something that was started in the 1800s, which is the term called work-life balance. Mm -hmm. That is a term that was created by industrialists to make you feel good about being at the factory long as long as you were PB at oh, home. No, thank you. No. <laughs> that's why that's I, where I, this comes from. Oh God, that's why I didn't go to law school. Like at one point I went to law school. What was that? I almost went to law school too. So I, I was there, like I finished college. Um, I got my degree and I, so my, my family's very diverse. My, my dad is one of the most successful people that I know, great work ethic, but he can sit at a desk for, for 16 hours and be the happiest guy, just like crushing the, the corporate banking world. He, they, they made him retire. Like, oh, wow. like you, you're, you have to retire. You're past the, he retired for a month, traveled Europe, and then started a consulting business. Like, I'm like, you're doing it wrong. You're doing retirement wrong. He's like, I can't sit still. Like I, I like to do. So for me, it was do, what do I want to devote my energy to? And I was like, as much as I would love to maybe be a lawyer, because I love arguing and I love talking. I don't think I could sit at a desk and do paperwork for, for X amount of hours. It's not for me. You know, it's the same people that decided maybe we should do a five day work day or work week instead. Same people. I'm with you on that. Um, and yeah, I, I feel the law thing because I wanted to be a lawyer. I didn't want to be a lawyer because of arguing. I wanted to be a lawyer, number one, because when I was little, I wanted to be a lawyer. And I thought that suits and briefcases were like the epitome of all things wonderful. Ah, yes. <laughs> the briefcase doesn't even need to have anything in it. No. I, so I was, I was 10 
going to school with a briefcase because I thought it was cool. Savage. I love it. I can see it too. It's the best. I thought it was so cool. And so I, I, when I learned what corporate, when I learned that what I had been doing in my beginning entrepreneurial life was, it had a name and it was called corporate law. Mm -hmm. I lost it. Like you're telling me the fact that I know the difference between an S core, a C core, an LLC, a series LLC, like I know what those are and I know the tax benefits and I know how to set them up and I know why somebody would set them up. Like you're telling me that the passion I have for that is called corporate law. Show me more. And then I, and then I saw the show suits and I was, Oh God, I I became obsessed with that show. (laughs) It, it, everybody became upset. My wife was giving me a hard time because I was watching it all the time. She's like, are you still watching Suits? I was like, I didn't watch it when it aired. And now I'm, and I binge watched the whole show. I didn't watch it when it aired. I was in Afghanistan. So I was in, Af- the last time I was in Afghanistan was 2021. So I was a part, I was the month. Have, have you ever seen that picture, that famous picture where the, the last military plane to leave Afghanistan in this cram packed? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I was there a month before that picture was taken. Oh, wow. I left a month before that. So on my, nobody was really at Bagram, Bagram Air Force Base. So I was there, I would come in the morning and there was like a little TV where in my section and the Armed Forces Network, AFN, would show uh, an episode of Suits in the morning. So I'll go get breakfast and then I watch Suits. And then when I finally got home, I watched everything. So that's how I found, and then Succession. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, so funny story about Succession. We watched the first episode in our house. We're like, okay, we can kind of get into this. It's a little, little intense, but we went to my dad's beach house and they were on the last season. And cause we were like, all right, let's, everybody's talking about it. Let's, they watched the entire last season while we're sitting there. We're like, damn it. Now we know what's going on. <laughs> but yeah, like suits was one of those shows that came out of nowhere. And, and mm-hmm. I love it. I still like, yeah. still put it on if it's, and I remember Netflix has almost every season except the last one. Yeah. So, and the fact that I, and I feel about Susan Succession the way I felt about Frasier going up, like I'm smart enough to understand what they're talking about. Right. Yes. That is <laughs> that one of the flicks. Frasier is one of those shows that like I watch now. I'm like, ah, I know some of these words. Yep. Indeed. I know that pun. I know why that's funny. Yep. But unfortunately, we are getting towards the end of our episode. Um, I do, we do have a little game here at MF Uncensored, if you're interested, where yeah. we do a rapid fire question segment. Let's go. All right. So I have a couple of questions that I try and tailor to whoever I'm speaking with. So, all right, you ready? Sure. A book or author that has influenced your thinking? Neville Goddard. Very good. That too quick. I like it. Wow. All right. One piece of advice that you would have for an aspiring author? Don't let people think that, don't let people objectify your success with the word of greed. I like that because a lot of people equivalent success with how much money you're making. I, mm-hmm. I'm with you on that one. I like that. What is a memorable success story from the House of Icons? The memorable success from the House of Icons would be... Closing a client in the conference room in my very first luxury apartment. That's awesome, man. Because of what the, so being a part of uh, building House of Icons and the work we've done has been 
able to now afford me the ability to have be in my first luxury apartment and then having a conference room in there and then bringing a, a prospect to that conference room and then closing them in that conference room. I love it. I, like, dude, I, I feel it from you. Like, and that's the coolest thing. It's, it's like the energy is contagious, man. Yeah. All right. Last one. What is your favorite leadership principle? <laughs> okay. I have, to, Go for I, have it. To, I, I have to say the one that just came out my head first. And then I have to say the one that's more tailored to leadership. Oh, perfect. No, no, do it. Do it. The first thing that came in my head was fuck around and find out. Yeah. <laughs> my favorite. I love that phrase. It is my favorite phrase. Somebody, somebody said, how do you put that in corporate speak? And, and the answer was, let's feel free to test that assumption and find out the results. I was like, it, accurate. Okay. Accurate. All right. What's, what's the second? What's the second? The second one is just the what I learned in Officer Candidate School OCS. You are responsible for everything that does and does not happen. I like it. I like it a lot. It All right. So that is the end of our rapid fire. And dude, this was fantastic. I really love just the energy alone that you brought, the passion. So if people wanted to get in touch with you or find out more about you, what are some of the ways that they can do that? I would just say that you want to. Talk to me. If you're like Asa, I want to talk to you. I can be found on every platform you are. I am the only Asa Laveau that exists. A-S-A-L-E-V-E-A-U-X for my veteran siblings out there. That's Alpha Sierra Alpha, Lima Echo, Victor Echo, Alpha Uniform X-Ray. Uh, I am the only Asa Laveau that exists. Now, for those of you who are like, you know what? I want to be paid for what I know rather than what I do. You go to houseoficons.co. That's house of icons.co. Now, did I say com? I didn't say .com. I never said .com. I said .co. So go houseoficons.co. I love it, man. So, and obviously you uh, go through our social media. We'll find links and tags and all that cool stuff. So we'll make sure that if uh, you guys are looking, we'll help you find. So Asa, thank you so much. This was fantastic. I had a blast and I would love to have you back same, on. Same, same. But that is going to wrap us up. Thank you so much for being on tonight. And thank you for having me. This has been great. And thank you guys for listening. Thanks, man. I appreciate you. <laughs>